and welcome to season two, episode two of the Nature Therapy Online podcast. My name is Stephen McCabe and I'm an ecotherapist living in Midlothian in Scotland. And my podcast is all about connecting to nature for our well-being and happiness and for the good of our mental health and also for the good of the earth itself also because people who love nature and feel good when they're out in nature and whose mental health benefits from connecting with nature more are also kinder to nature and I think we can all agree that the human race needs to be a lot kinder to nature than than we have been for a long time so um so so for me ecotherapy is something that is beneficial to everybody um but not least you, dear listener, and, and, and us as, as human beings as well. Um, so I guess sometimes the thing that, that, that grabs our attention with nature or, or, or connects us to nature is when we feel good and is when we acknowledge that we are a part of it and we're not this separate machine almost, you know, that just consumes and takes from the earth and treats the earth like something we're not a part of you know I think one of the the most beautiful things about ecotherapy is having that realization that I'm a part of this you know I'm a a little part of this I'm a small small creature like all the other small creatures around me and and this is all really a great big mystery you know and for me that's what can be so powerful about connecting with nature and and that leads me on to the the topic of this week's podcast this month's podcast I should say I'm um, I'm I'm still in the habit of saying this week's podcast after the first season which ran for um I can't remember exactly how many episodes 40ish I think and was weekly um I now I now record them monthly and I record bigger and longer episodes so if I say weekly from time to time, folks, and you and you hear me say that, and I don't correct myself, just just ignore me. I'm uh, I'm I'm getting a wee bit older now. I'm I'm forgetting things very easily. I'm saying saying untruths and things things that are not relevant anymore just because they're how I used to do things. So uh, so that that's that's where we are in life right now. So ignore that. Um, where was I before I got seriously sidetracked? I was talking about the theme of this month's episode, which is spirituality and nature. Um, it's a massive, massive topic, and it's something that I've touched on in my previous shorter weekly episodes. I did an episode specifically on, on Zen and nature, um, as a lot of you know who listen regularly, I'm a practicing Zen Buddhist and this is a big part of my nature connection. Um, and we are going to touch on Zen Buddhism in this episode, but 
I wanted to create an episode that was a lot broader than just my own perspective, really, on on on, on spirituality and nature, because something that I've really come to appreciate the more that I've been working as an ecotherapy practitioner and meeting other ecotherapy practitioners and and seeing more and more clients over the last year is 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 how spirituality comes up time and time again um without me necessarily bringing it in fact it's not something that I bring to my client work unless clients bring it up themselves but what's really fascinating to me is is how people come from so many different perspectives spiritual perspectives that is and yet we can all find this deep appreciation of the awesomeness of 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 everything around us through so many different paths you know um so so for some people the path might be buddhism for some people it may be an earth-based religion for some people it may be islam or christianity or judaism or hinduism or, or or you know i'm 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 in danger of trying to reel off and list every religion i can think of right now and 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 i'm not going to do that successfully so you get my point you know there are people who describe themselves as having a spiritual practice but don't put any religious definition on it um and that's extremely valid you know for some people nature itself is spirituality you know just the connecting with the awe of all this life that that, that grows and walks and and and, and flies and, and makes makes all of this noise and has all of this presence all of this this just constant change and movement and color and vibrancy that's all around us is so awesome and yet we're so we're so lost in our everyday lives you know which 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 happens to us all but we can be so lost in our everyday lives that we forget just to stop and to look and to listen and to take in in all of our senses what's happening around us to look at our own bodies and to see this 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 miracle of growth this 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 moving mass of organs and skin that's just appeared you know we've just appeared from the earth from the sea and and we're here and it's incredible and 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 it comes up so often when i'm working with people um and and i love how I feel this connection to what people are talking about, regardless of what kind of spiritual practice they're bringing. So I suppose to explain what I mean more about that is, you know, I, for me, it was, it, it was Zen Buddhism that was my pathway. You know, I, I didn't pay any attention to nature for my whole adult life until my late 30s. Um, and I'm only talking about four years ago, really. Actually, four four years ago in the summer, almost probably exactly to this 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 time that I'm recording this podcast, um, I started to practice mindfulness in in my local park, and it was only because I was very aware that I wasn't living in the now, and I heard that you know this was a a practice that could 
that could tune me into my surroundings more and to my to the, the life that I felt I was missing and everything just became alive around me by starting a practice where I let go of my thoughts I saw the beauty and the reality of everything else around me that was almost that was just there practically waving at me like hi remember remember us remember trees remember remember the wild animals you used to adore finding as a child remember all of this that's around you and even though that has been my way in and my spiritual practice that brought me to ecotherapy. I've really come to appreciate other people's pathways because that connection to nature feels exactly the same regardless of how we get there, you know, that, that, that awe that we feel when we connect with nature. So, so this episode, um, I hope, will begin to scratch the surface a little bit of this massive, massive topic um, of nature and spirituality. So I lay my cards on the table and say this is not going to be um, about representation of the world's spiritual practices and religions. That's that's not what I'm doing today. It's not what I'm able to do. I would love to do it, but I think I would probably need to dedicate an entire podcast just to that topic. Um, I say that every every time I do a podcast episode because nature is just so vast that any topic you bring, you know, last month it was music and spirituality. You know, I really only scratched the surface of that topic. And, and this month I will be scratching the surface. And, you know, but I think sometimes to scratching the surface of, of any topic is, is, is such an important thing to do, um, you know, not to be... Uh, intimidated by the size of this topic is something that I, I I I fought with myself a little bit I was like can I you know oh you know if I have somebody speaking from uh, a Christian perspective then I really should have somebody from a I don't know a Hindu perspective I should tr try and do everything and actually it wasn't ever going to happen like that so my invitation for you with this episode is to listen to the voices I have gathered and I've, uh, I have recordings from three people from three different spiritual perspectives. And I'm also going to share some of my own perspective, not about Buddhism this time, but actually about another practice, which is very close to my heart, which is tarot. And uh, it's something I haven't really talked about on this podcast before. So there's going to be four perspectives, um, Catholicism, Druidry, Buddhism, and tarot and these are in no way representative of the the vastness of the various ways that spiritual practice meets nature or or, or or brings us close to nature but what i would really like is that if you are listening and you have a spiritual practice of your own um and you feel it wasn't really touched upon which is very likely in this in this this hour or so however long this episode will be um please do go to the web page for this podcast which is naturetherapyonline.net forward slash podcast forward slash spirituality so that's naturetherapyonline forward slash podcast forward slash spirituality 
and post some comments on there and, and share things in the comments. Share any experiences you have, um, any links that you have, maybe to inspiring videos that touch on your spiritual connection with nature, your practice, your religion. Um, it would be really lovely to 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 have have more people from this vast community of of our earth sharing sharing there because I'm very aware that you know we we're not going to cover all of all of that in this podcast so um so that's my uh, rather long i think uh, you know uh, footnote um on the on on the topic of the vastness of this but i i would like to go on and 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 introduce my first guest voice so um so how i went about this this month is i asked uh, three people who i know who have very different spiritual practices to to share with me anywhere between 3 or 4 minutes to 10 minutes of their experiences and how their spiritual practice links with nature and this first voice is from the incredible Harriet Sams. And Harriet is, uh, is a druid and she's an ecotherapy practitioner. And, um, and I will share you some links to her website after we've heard her speak. Um, so I'm going to hand over to, to Harriet and, and, and let her introduce herself and, and her practice with you. So here, here is Harriet Sams. I have about five minutes to tell you about Druidry and its earth-based connection and how it um, helps me to be an earth-based spiritual practitioner. So Western esoteric mystery school of Druidry is, um, is a spirituality and it's not a religion in that it's not a received religion. It doesn't have any dogmatic texts or leaders as such. It's a deeply experiential and um, active-based spiritual practice which unifies people with a core understanding that the earth is the place where all sense of spirituality, sense of understanding of who one's own being is, a sense of connection to other humans and to non-human beings who also inhabit this planet. So Essentially, because there is no dogma and there is no no texts, we all have to agree on very few things. One of them is, as I said, that the earth is where all the teaching comes from. That's where we go to when we want to understand who we are and how we practice. It gives us a sense of belonging. It gives us a sense of conscientious living. And it gives us a sense of, of understanding the more than human, the more than individual worlds. So I came to it through prehistoric archaeology. I'd been very connected to um, the ancestors, as it were, and the land and my own understanding of walking the land. I knew that there was more that was being spoken to me than just what I was excavating. There was consciousness, there was a connectivity to the land that I was feeling. So Druidry for me really helped me understand what that was and that I wasn't mad and that it's actually real, that, that there is a consciousness that's, that's there that I was holding on to and connecting to. So very broadly, Druidry in the West um, is taught in three 
Neville's, but then none of them are any better or, or uh, hierarchical than, than the others. They're, they're just a progressive level of initiation. And it's an initiation school, so it's very deeply mystical, very uh, private. It's not secret because things need to be hidden, but it's private because it's sacred information. So the first level is the bardic level, where we learn how to understand our mythology. We learn how to understand how to speak, how to sing, how to be creative, how to allow the flow of what's called Arwen, that creative juicy uh, space that one gets into when one does anything creative and we learn how to harness that so that we can be creative in whatever field it can be then the next level is the ovate which would be the the healers the herbalists the diviners the people who you go to the, the wise woman at the edge of the village um that's then that takes many years potentially of of study to know how to be um, a diviner and a, a, a connector to the earth energies around us. And then the final level of initiation is the Druid grade, which historically the Druids were the advisors, the philosophers, the, the ones who gazed to the stars for the deeper, wider cosmic re reasons for things and, the, and looking to the future. Um, and in the modern terms, a Druid um, is someone who is... Uh, of service, full service in the community, usually a celebrant or a funeral uh, celebrant of some sort um, or someone, maybe an advisor um, and who maybe steps into the therapeutic roles. So they're the three sort of levels of, of, um, of being a druid and I personally feel like I sit in the ovate. I'm the sort of healer, diviner, the one who um, we go to when we've got cuts and bruises and need a cup of tea when something's happened that's that's tricky that's difficult and I often then invite in a third a third space which for me is that earth connection so it'll be let's go for a walk and let's just see what we find and so the medicine walking the the medicine woman that's who I feel I am um, I, I am a trained celebrant and ritualist um and I love that sense of service very much. Um, but really, I feel like my heart is in the plants and 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 healing and energy. Um, but all of it, all aspects, all layers, all initiations help us get connected to our life on this planet, who it is to be us right now, how it is to be alive, how it is to be fully conscious of our responsibilities at this time, not only to ourselves, but to the wider non-human communities and being the voice for, for those who have no voice, but we can hear them, we can feel them and we don't turn away, we, we look towards. And that to me has been the greatest gift of Druidry, that sense that I'm here, I'm present and my life is of service and that people do... Um, understand that that's that's for me my greatest gift of of druidry oh, wow thank you so much for that harriet and um before I, I i go further i would like to give you the um 
web address for Harriet and you can work with Harriet or read more about her work here. So I'm going to um, I'm going to spell this for you because I always I always pronounce it wrongly. Um, so it's um, N for nuts, W Y F R E dash Earth dot co. So that's N W Y F R E forward dash Earth dot co. Um, yeah, there's just like so much there that I would love to pick up on. And I'm not sure I know quite where to start with it. Um, but one thing I would, I would, I would like to, I would, I would, that really struck me is this sense that um, earth is where the spirituality is. I just, in a nutshell, I think that speaks so many volumes about spirituality and nature for me i think many of us in the west who've maybe grown up with certain um views on what spirituality is um, which i and i and i think in many ways even christianity has been grossly misrepresented itself by um, a lot of elements of western culture i think there was very often a sense that spiritual life is something that is there after a physical life or it's other than a physical life and it's something that happens perhaps when when we die something that we're going to access at a later time and that maybe where we are and what's happening with us right now is not so spiritual or is not um it, it, is not as powerful as what might be happening in other realms or later on after our after our deaths come and 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 this this sense that that, that came through so strongly with what Harriet was saying of, of of earth being where spirituality is earth being our teacher just resonates so strongly with me and as a a, a, a Buddhist practitioner that is the sense that I got when I let my, my thoughts go, when I was able to let my thoughts go a wee bit and to to see the earth around me, all of a sudden it was there, you know. Um, this sense that the more than human is important really moved me with, with, with Harriet's talk there and um and i think as well what i appreciated is is uh, there was an education in that for me as well and, and i imagine probably for a lot of our listeners as well you know i think druidry is not a, a practice that we really know very much about and and as harriet touched upon there you know the practices of our ancestors, the pra practices from from ancient times, have not been recorded, and in many ways, you know, a lot of earth based religions of are are, are, are re finding that connection again after so many centuries of of of, of yeah our, our spiritual past in the West being being wiped. And it was really beautiful to hear about the Arwen, the the creative link to spirituality that's something that we don't 
link together, is it? You know, spirituality and our own creativity. They're, they're not things that, at least in the West, we really link together. And yet, I do think that artists of all kinds experience this very deep and beautifully overpowering sense when they're creating, whether it's music or art or, or, or poetry, whatever it is, this sense that I'm this, I'm this being and, and, I, and I can bring something into creation that wasn't there before or I can bring elements together and, and pour something out of me and express something as a, as a living being through me and bring it into existence. It's just a really beautiful and powerful thing. And that theory of the Awen really moved me to here because I think, for me, I spent many years um, as a deep, as a very creative person, but I never considered myself in any way a spiritual person. And, and that concept ties a lot of things together very nicely for me. Um, it, 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 I think it, it, it help, look, helps us to look at, at the reasons that, that we create. There's something so alive in, in, in that process. Um, I'm also aware as I'm talking, and, and, and I kind of knew that this would happen, but I'm going to lay my cards on the table with this because I think that it's something that stops us from engaging with each other when it comes to issues around spirituality and, and, and probably culture as well and a lot of other things that, that there's a part of me that, that that's kind of cringing as I talk because I'm thinking am I am, am, am I just grossly misrepresent misrepresenting everything that Harriet's just said you know did I understand it right correctly did I am I I, I sound like a fool to anyone who's who's a druid out there who's listening to me and and am I just getting all of this is this not did I really misunderstand what the Awen even was you know and um I, I, I suppose I wanted to just to just reflect on that because I think sometimes that's a barrier to us talking and if I have misunderstood anything you know what like I think it's okay, and I, I, I would I would like someone just to, to to flag that up to me and let me know if that's the case. But it's not the point. I think the point, to, my 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 primary point here is is that you know we need to connect with this this planet for ourselves and for the earth, and 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 spiritual practices I think are are key to that. I I, I really believe that you know, and if us talking about each other's practices feels difficult and we're afraid of getting things wrong then just we need to take the risk of just getting things wrong and and, and talking anyway because that's the only way we'll get things right so I'm, I'm, I'm completely digressing there um but I felt like it was relevant um I, I, I prefer these days to kind of shine a light on my awkwardness rather than sit with it and suffer quietly um so a few more things on what 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 harriet said there i mean i, I could do a whole podcast responding just to harriet but we're, we're, i've got a few uh, i've got two other clips um that are e equally as beautiful and, and inspiring to to share with you folks so 
I, th- I don't know the exact thing that Harriet said there, but it was something like my heart is in the plants and in healing energy. And I mean, that that's just gorgeous, isn't it? You know, my heart is in the plants. You know, we, we're here in everything around us. And I felt two things come up for me when Harriet said that. One was the sense of love for the plants, you know, for all this life that grows, you, you know, that the way we express in our human language, my heart is with something. But I also felt something almost physical, like, you know, my heart is in the plants. The, you know, everything is changing and forming and, and the things that make up my body right now, you know, might one day go back to the earth and actually become part of the plants. My heart may be part of a plant one day. Perhaps a tree will grow from somewhere where I'm buried. And, and, and I don't find those thoughts scary like I used to or uncomfortable. I think they're beautiful. And I think that's one of the things that the that 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 my link to nature has taught me to not be so afraid of my own death and not to be afraid of what might happen to my body in this form I, that that I have here so yeah thanks Harriet for that very beautiful and 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 and, and final final thing I wanted to reflect on it was was just you know how when Harriet said something like how is it to be alive right now you know that's so key it's what we don't do in life and i think it's what nature teaches us in a way more than anything else how to be alive right here right now by looking at what's happening by listening to the sound of the birds by just watching what they're doing right right now this moment Right now, I just had a little crazy fly there. I don't know if you heard it. And there's also a wee little bird outside the window. Don't know what kind of bird it is. I'm also looking out over, I'm sitting in my attic and my dog Yoro is asleep next to me. I can hear the the summer just being summer outside, you know, the insects, the birds, I can see the leaves on the top of the trees outside my window. I've never really noticed the shapes before. You know, there's a tree in front of me, it looks like a hand making a peace sign. So I just want to thank you again, Harriet, for that invitation, because that's how it is for me to be alive right now as I record this. And that's something I would invite you all to do, folks, when this podcast is finished, or even as you're listening. Just notice how it is to be alive right now and let nature show you the way. So, I'm going to move on and I'm going to share with you a recording by Jerry Simcock. And Jerry is a practicing 
Zen Buddhist um, in the Soto Zen tradition. Jerry goes along to the same meetings that I do. He's part of the same Sangha as me up here in the Lothians in Scotland. And I really wanted to have some input from another Zen practitioner on links between the spiritual practice and, and nature because it's something that I've talked about a lot but I've never really heard so much of from other Zen practitioners so um, I asked Jerry if he would send some thoughts to me and and and, and he sent me the, the following recording which is there's so much food for thought here it, 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 there's some very lovely and inspiring very powerful thoughts here so um i hope you you get as much out of it as i did and i'm gonna hand you over to jerry simcock hello here i am in our garden sitting on the step of the hut where i meditate i'm jerry i've been a zen practitioner for the past six or seven years and so, really, quite a novice. And um, I have been asked to talk a little about Zen and nature. Um, I think I'll start by talking a little about um, spiritual practice and the relationship with nature. I'm not sure how consistent my thoughts will be on this as I talk, but I hope to offer something. So my relationship between um, Zen and nature, well, I have had a lifelong interest in, in the outdoors and in nature and only recently discovered Zen. But Zazen has been a real gift. It has really helped um, in terms of helping me tackle some difficulties I had a while back, but also in coming to terms, in appreciating life and where I am. So in Zen we talk a bit, a lot about non-duality, how everything is one, how everything is connected. So in effect, nature and Zen are one. We are nature, made by natural forces and part of all nature. And we talk about, in Zen, big mind and small mind. And it's a bit unfortunate because with Zen we're trying, well, we're trying to let go of conceptualizations, But at the same time there's a necessity to understand and explain and to communicate with others. A big man... Big mind really is a way 
of describing everything in the universe, the boundless nature of things, the ever-changing, ever-moving, ever-shifting nature of what we find ourselves part of. What we, with our consciousness, which in Zazen comes to show us a kind of how boundless and limitless everything is, including our consciousness. Small mind is more to do with the ego, the conceptualization of self, and the naming, laboring, measuring, thinking part of ourselves, the brain work. In Zazen, we try to let go of small mind and simply open up to just being, just sitting, joining the flow of the myriad things and their interconnection. In time with Zazen, I have been able to experience just this simple flow, just this being nature. Open awareness to be aware of the flow of life in our bodies and in all that is around us is what happens or what seems to happen when I sit Zazen for long periods. We have no control of this. It's just what is occurring. And as my teacher says, it is sufficient. It happens without us making it happen. A large part of us has nothing to do with our small mind nature. It is just what is occurring. The flow in our, the flow in our blood, the intake of oxygen, cell production, and so on. So the small mind part, the me, the other aspect of me, part of big mind, tends to simply be aware of what is around me. Of course, the I, the I part of me, is necessary. The I part of me really looks very closely at what is happening around me and the response to nature is to find it fascinating and joyous and in some ways, which is unfortunate, we see it as very separate from ourselves. Um, even in appreciation of nature, there's a certain um, duality. But I'm getting a bit convoluted here, so I'll just carry on. My wife and I have, have made, made this garden. Well, to say that is probably wrong. We've let this garden come into being. We've given it assistance and we've deliberately planted it for bees and other pollinators and over the years it has grown and become what it is now. There are more insects, more birds, more plants. We also help run and volunteer for a charity which manages four and a half acre walled garden. And here we have our flower garden, shrub borders, an orchard, willow grown from reaving and wild areas 
the bigger part of it, to encourage biodiversity and let nature do its thing, trying not to tamper too much with it. Zazen, Zen, helps me appreciate all of this, so the eye, the small mind, plays a part in, it contributes to the whole. I'm always aware in both gardens of the limitlessness and spaciousness of things, of the comings and goings, of the changes. All is change. It's constant change. And we are part of that. I feel it's so important for people, especially now, when so many have been suffering with lockdowns and with COVID, and part of our ward garden project is to make this nature available to people who maybe are suffering, maybe have had some mental health issues or some physical issues. And our experience is that people find this place very soothing and they soon connect and appreciate and we also run a garden therapy um, a garden therapy session, um, which is partly meditation, partly mindful walking, partly observing and walking with open awareness, and then of course tasks. So there is joy to be found. There is appreciation to be found. There is sufficiently, and I often have this feeling that I can just fall back. The I part of me can fall back into nature. Our minds are nature. Of course, observing ourselves and nature is not all beauty. There is aggression, there are fights, there are territories being defended, there are battles... One life thrives on another. One life thrives on another death. Life and death are very evident to us. As gardeners, we deal with life and death, with the dying down, the compost, the earth is made from de decomposition, and the, the world. Nature renews and grows from this. So now... I think my time is up and I'm afraid I've been a little muddled, but I hope I've got something across. I'm going to sit Zazen now and let these thoughts go. And maybe in part of my big mind or the big mind, a blackbird will sing, a bee will buzz, the rain will fall, the pigeons might come and move the rocks around on the roof as they often do who knows thank you and thank you jerry i think there is so much that we can all recognize in 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 what jerry shared there on on, on so many levels and and i think this is why i've really enjoyed pulling this podcast together because there's, there's something so down to earth about spiritual practices that we don't 
uh, that, that we don't recognize. And I think Jerry pointed to so much about the here and the now and the earth and our bodies and, 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 and the nature around us and the universe. What is here and what is happening? What is in front of us? What we're living right now? Um, you know, this I'm coming back to so much with, 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 with what, what Jerry shared there, you know, this sense that spirituality isn't this thing that's other than us and it isn't this thing that's out there. It's not something for the future. It's not... It's not something, it could be something from another realm in a lot of ways. I'm not denying that, but it's not, if that's the case, it's not only that, it's also here. Um, I want to share before I do um, get too enthusiastic and, and, and forget, I want to share with you the links for um, for, for the, the, the project that Jerry is involved in that he was telling you about. So if you are in the Lothians and um, you're, you're interested in the project, um, the, the garden therapy project, please go to growingatgilmerton.org. That's growingatgilmerton.org. And you can also find Jerry on Twitter at wildseedzen. That's wildseedzen on Twitter. Um, and what was so interesting there is that I had no idea that Jerry was actually uh, running basically an ecotherapy project. You know, did this was not on my agenda here. It wasn't why I asked Jerry. In fact, I'd I'd um, I'd, I'd I'd spoken with the uh, uh, Reverend Fabian at the at, at the Sangha in Portobello. So. Um, that's the, the the Portobello Buddhist Priory, um, and I'd initially asked Fabian if if he could talk, but he's 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 really poorly at the moment. So so do get well soon, Reverend Fabian, if you're listening. And he, and he suggested Jerry, and I, um, I didn't realize that Jerry had uh, had had this kind of project going. So it just goes to show you, you know, the the power of this practice. Of Zen Buddhism because I'm not the only person who it's led in this direction. Um, although I'm not sure if Jerry was doing this before or after his his, his Buddhist practice, I don't know. But they do seem very, uh, very linked, which is not surprising to me. Um, you know, this sense of appreciating life where we are, but but this touching on the, this big mind that Jerry mentioned and the interconnection with everything. Um, boundless universe you know this this you know th these things that that the huge concepts but i think we all have these moments of big mind whether we are spiritual practitioners or not a lot of us will have some experience of looking up at the stars and thinking wow what what am i and what's going on here and i think what Jerry touched upon it, there is is how that 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 awe of the universe itself is 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 something that we 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 cultivate in Zen practice. Um, I love the links to change. How powerful constant change is and. You know that is something impermanence is, is is a key part of 
of Buddhist practice, and, and yet it's also a very practical teaching about nature. Nothing shows us constant change more than nature, you know. Um, it, 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 for me, these, the, 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 all of these... Uh, all of these uh, key theories in Zen also point to the way of 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 the earth and the way of nature. Um, there's something very very practical and very rooted in it. So I want to thank you very much, Jerry, for sharing your thoughts and um, and 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 please, you didn't ramble at all. I don't know what I forgot where it was at the beginning or at the end, where you said you felt you'd talk too much or something. But but really, you didn't. Every moment of it was was really powerful for me. So thank you very much. Now I'm going to move on to our last guest speaker, and then I'm going to talk a little bit, not much. Uh, not too much, but but a wee bit about tarot at the end as well. But before I do, um, I'm going to introduce Sarah Crew. Sarah is an incredible poet, and she is also uh, a practicing Catholic. And she describes her Catholicism as a as a bespoke version of Catholicism, as you'll hear, which I love. So I'm not. I'm going to hand you over to to Sarah and let her share her thoughts. So over to you, Sarah. So you asked about the relationship between my spiritual practice, which in my case is Catholicism, or any other aspect of personal spirituality and how this is connected with nature. Um, this was a really interesting question to consider as my initial reaction when you asked me was, mm, does my, shall we say, bespoke version of Catholicism really have any links to nature? But then when I started to think about how I link my walks, which is my primary form of exercise and also a major part of my mental health care, to the Catholic faith, and it turns out that the two are actually pretty inextricably linked. So I live in Liverpool, specifically in Anfield, and the bonus point of living in this area is that it's walking distance to Everton Brow, which provides not only the most beautiful view of the city, but also the river. At the highest point, you can see what I refer to as my personal three graces. I say personal because the term three graces is usually used to refer to the Live Buildings, the Cunard Building, and the Port of Liverpool Building on the riverfront. But to me, it's Trinity of the Metropolitan Cathedral, the Parish Church of St. Francis Xavier, and the Anglican Cathedral. Now, I always find the latter fails to move me from the inside, which is inevitably some kind of deep Catholic bias. But um, from the outside, it's just absolutely stunning, completely breathtaking, and a million percent one of the most impressive buildings you can ever imagine. As for St. Francis Saviour, it's particularly special to me as it was the church I was baptised in as a baby. And again, it's a proper old-school church with such poetic value, as the poet Jared Manley Hopkins was a parish priest there. So what I like to do is, whenever I'm on top of Everton Brow, I always say Hail Mary as a thank you to Mary for my loved ones and everything I have, which in this context is having the privilege of being alive and looking down on this gorgeous glittering river that just fills me with pride every time I look at it. Sticking with the Virgin Mary, one of the things that keeps me tied to Roman Catholicism is the centre stage that a woman is given. It's not that I see God as a man, I see God as a force beyond gender, but so many other branches of Christianity refuse to give her and the saints any kind of iconography, whereas I'm extremely partial to it. And another aspect of spirituality that is often attributed to female, as female rather, is the moon. 
I love the moon. It's all powerful, connected to the tides, connected to women. And so again, whenever I see her, be it on a walk or simply from a kitchen window, I always say, Hail Mary, Mother Moon. And I'm momentarily awestruck by how we are ultimately these small little worker bees on an enormous planet under this awesome moon. It's very grand and extremely helpful to just take that moment of actually each day is new. It might not be worth stressing over such small infinitesimal things. The final one I'd like to mention is part of my walk to work. On my journey there, I walked past Newsham Park. A few months ago, for the first time ever, I spotted some green parakeets flying over. Now, these are particularly important to me, as usually these are the species only spotted in London, a place I love deeply. However, Newsham Park's main significance in my life right now is that it contains my son's school, which has St. Francis of Assisi in the title. For anyone who's familiar with St. Francis of Assisi, he rejected a life as a spoiled boy of Italian aristocracy for a life of few possessions and caring exclusively for the poor. He was also a fervent lover of animals and believed nature was a reflection of God. A kraken saint, if it's not sacrilegious to put it in such scouse terms. So each day when I pass my son's school sign, I always make a sneaky sign of the cross and say, St. Francis of Assisi, please look after me, boy. He seems like a safe pair of hands. Combining prayer with a daily journey seems like as perfect a setting as I could get, as it's not just for secluded moments. It's a continuous part of who I am, like walking, like breathing. Thank you so much for that, Sarah. Um, it was very beautiful for me to to listen to um as someone who went to a Catholic school when I grew up and has found a spiritual path as I've gotten older, although although not, not with Catholicism, um, there was something very healing, I think, about those links that Sarah brought up between her faith and her practice and and, and, and nature and, and the and, and, and the moon, you know, and all of these things that we, you know, may not initially associate with the with Catholicism or Christianity more broadly, but I think really go back to that point I made at the start of this show, which is, you know, a, a, a genuine spiritual practice points to the amazingness and the awesomeness of, of everything that is around us right here, right now. Um you know, Sarah Crew actually is uh, she's she's a family member of mine. She's my sister-in-law and and one of my best friends on this earth. So it was especially beautiful to 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 hear um, you know the, 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 to hear those words and hear the, how Sarah r relates to to the moon, especially. You know, uh, I've, I've got a very strong, I've got a very big love of the moon myself, and I think you know, I I think it, it's there in all practices you know all spirituality all genuine spirituality is pointing to the miracle of what is here and what is here right now this life that we have and so much of that came through with with, with Sarah's discussion I, I, I loved what Sarah was saying about gratitude and finding that in prayer in moments in nature, you know, looking at views and, and expressing that gratitude, you know, and it's gratitude is such a powerful practice and we don't see it as a spiritual practice, but I think it's something that we've lost in, I think, in, in you know, in a lot, 
in a lot of cultures and a lot of societies perhaps where we've lost our spiritual connection. We forget to be grateful for being alive and we forget to be grateful for nature. And certainly in my own Buddhist practice, gratitude has been one of the big turning points, I guess. You know, practicing gratitude, I should say, has been a big turning point in my practice. Just having those exact same moments or I should say very similar moments to, to what Sarah described there of of being mindful in nature and letting my thoughts go and just seeing the beauty around me and just whispering a thank you, you know. Um, I loved what Sarah said about um, seeing God as a force beyond gender and the links between Mary and the moon, the expressions of the feminine. Um, I, I, I think that there were a lot of... Um, things coming up there that I, I I imagine some people from from pagan practice practice might relate to um, especially with the link between the feminine and, and the moon um, Hail Mary Mother Moon that was that was just gorgeous you know so um, the, the, you know these these things that will have come up in all three discussions from three very different um, religious practices um linked together in this thread of, of of being here now when Sarah said each day is new I have I, I felt like this was something that came up with Harriet and it was something that came up with Jerry and it's something that comes up for me a lot and I hear it with people of different practices and faiths all the time you know so it's just so lovely to hear that and I, I once heard um I don't know who it was who said it and where it came from. Perhaps somebody can in, enlighten me on that. But um, I, I heard once that, you know, the, the the different paths that we take on a spiritual road are a bit like people climbing a mountain, but from different sides, you know. So the, the different different paths will, will appeal to us. But, but when we are able to, to get to a point of our practice where... We, we we really touch something deep and we really feel like we are able to appreciate the life that we have, which for me is what it's all about. It's often the point where we're perhaps getting a wee bit closer to the to the, 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 the part, the top maybe, the top section of that mountain where we can see the full view. And we also get closer and closer together. You know, maybe the deeper that we practice and the more genuinely we practice whatever it is we're practicing the closer we get to other faiths and the closer we get to other practices because really i had so much in sarah and with harriet today that that you know for me could have been buddhism really you know um so i i just want to say thanks to sarah um it's very beautiful and, and thank you again to jerry and to harriet and um, for sharing your thoughts and um and i hope that you've found this inspiring so far folks and to to close this topic um i'm going to talk a little bit about something i've never really spoken about on the podcast before and that is tarot so i'm not going to give you a full uh blow-by-blow blow description of, of every tarot card or I'm not even going to give you a deep uh, a, 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 you know introduction to the system itself of the cards but I felt like it was important to acknowledge 
the links between tarot and nature and maybe to dispel some ideas about what tarot actually is because something I've come to realize quite recently actually is that tarot played a big part in bringing me closer to nature. I've often credited Buddhism with that, you know, and it certainly was where the aha moment came, you know, practicing mindfulness outdoors in nature and um, practicing Buddhism, not just practicing mindfulness, but, but the whole package was a big aha moment for me with nature. But for years before I practiced in the Zen tradition, I was reading tarot. For years, maybe almost, I don't know, 15 years. And it's something I would go to and leave for a while and return to. And recently I was casting my mind back about a lot of the times where I've sat with my cards in front of me and I've been staring at those beautiful images, the deep symbolism, and reflecting on how much nature there is in tarot. You know, the the four main suits of swords and pentacles and cups and wands. I'm always a bit nervous when I say that because I always seem to I always seem to get to stuck and forget one, even though it's something I I do every day. Um, so well done me, I didn't do it. It didn't happen then. I got the ones, um, but they they represent the main forces or or elements, if you like, of earth, air, fire, and water. Not in that order, by the way, um, that I read them out, and. For me, I would sit, and I still do, um, although my tarot practice personally is more of a, a meditative thing at the moment, but I used to journal a lot. And just to dispel any myths out there, tarot is not about predicting the future. Um, you know, it can be for some people, and I'm, and I'm not knocking anything here, folks. You know, I think there's a, there, there is a lot of, great mysteries in life that we don't understand and um and tarot can help us tap into those so so fortune telling is something that people do with tarot cards i personally love fortune telling and i'm not gonna knock it i you know i never <laughs> um it's not what i do with tarot myself um but i but i've got respect for it um having said that Tarot is not just a tool that we can use to predict the future. It, 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 and in fact, I would say the vast majority of people don't. It, it, it's something that we can use to explore our lives. This is a deck of cards that tells the story of life. You know, each card represents his uh, a, 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 there flapping his ears. It represents a stage in life that we go through. It represents a, a, a moments and dilemmas that we all experience. And when people, I think, criticize the tarot for having generalized meanings that, you know, perhaps uh, apply to all of us, um, for me, that's the beauty. That's in, that, I mean, the, these cards developed from human hands. They weren't developed by one person, at least as far as we know. They, 
they have have moved through the centuries and they tell a story of life it's the it, it you know when you look at the major arcana we start with this character the fool who who moves through these uh, 21 images uh, which are called the major arcana cards and that's they will be the, the, the they will probably be the cards that you recognize if you don't know tarot so things like you know the devil or the empress um the moon you know and there is so much nature in these cards you know they've they've grown out of nature like everything else has and even all of the early decks have so many uh, scenes behind the, the the main images that there's mountains there's water there's flowers there are things growing and nothing is accidental in a tarot image it all has symbolism and meaning and and i and i just wanted to throw that out there that for me i've begun to recognize how these cards that i was sitting with for years during many years when i didn't have an obvious nature connection i now see as uh i now see as a really important part of my growth and my path towards where i am today being an eco practitioner for a job and 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 just being connected in my daily life and knowing the importance of it i feel like all those years i was sat indoors um winter was my favorite month uh, my favorite month should i say season i think i'm pretty sure winter's a season winter was my favorite season uh, for all of my adult life and it may be yours that's great you can be a nature lover and love winter but i think my point is i didn't like summer i didn't like uh, I, I didn't like the heat. I didn't like the light. I liked to be indoors. And I think that's because I was very, very internal in how my life was focused. I was very much uh, living my life inside my own head. So part of my uh, coming out of that process, I think, has been looking at these deep and powerful symbols on these cards, laying them out in the winter months and all the months of the year when I didn't have a connection to nature and, and, and meditating with them, meditating on earth, on the earth, on fire, on water. And I would recommend anybody who has an appreciation of art and symbolism and spirituality to go and get themselves a deck of tarot cards you don't have to have any th particular beliefs around what they do or don't do you can just look at it as a tool as a book of life you can put the cards down in front of you and they will tell you something about your life they might not always be something that you want to hear <laughs> but there's something very uncanny about pulling out a tarot card with a particular question about your life in mind and seeing it so succinctly represent something about that question and give you some kind of guidance and support. And I believe that it's the, nat the, the nature link that is... Um, a big part of that i think it's a big part of the inspiration so i, I want to leave that with you 
Um, I can feel I'm getting a wee bit tired. It's been quite a long, quite a long episode. So I hope I've done. I hope I've done tarot justice there. Um, I feel like I, I, I'm usually I'm usually like so so passionate when I talk about tarot. I talk about it at the speed of light. I'm, you know, I've got I've got so much love and respect for the for the tarot. Um, so I, I hope it's come across, even though I've been a wee, a wee bit a wee bit tired and subdued getting to the end of the show there. So um, really check it out and keep an open mind. And um, and so I'm going to give you a little exercise to do in nature sometime over the next month. Um, I was introduced to this recently by somebody who I work with. And this exercise she calls walk the question. And it's just brilliant. Um really simple but so powerful and how it works is that if you have a question in life that you're struggling with or there's something going on in life that you would like some guidance and some answers to you ask nature the question and go for a walk and you allow the things that you notice around you the things you find the scenes that you see the symbolism around you you know give you answers that is that's it and you know i i um i mean it's something i've done quite a lot but i i think never really in a formalized way never really gone with a question before um it's something that i've allowed to unfold um naturally but i think there's something really powerful about asking that question in advance so i want you to walk a question i want you to go out in nature to a park a forest the sea wherever you know it doesn't have to be the wildest place on earth you know it could be a a small city park near where you live and and ask nature a question about your spiritual life so ask it to reflect something that you need in your spiritual life and see what you find see what you're drawn to if you you know, notice a little bird, watch what it's doing. If you see an interesting uh, pebble on the floor that's catching your eye, pick it up. Read them as signs. Take everything in. Let nature inspire you and tell you something about your life, full stop. Because when I'm talking about a spiritual life, I'm talking about our human lives because they are spiritual lives. We're here. We're alive. It's not going to be in this form that we have for a very long time. Nature is full of inspiration. You can see this as a spiritual task, or you can also just see it as nature inspiring you about your life. So go outside, go for a walk, ask nature the question, which is, tell me something about my spiritual life. Tell me how I can grow a spiritual life or show me something that I need to know about my spiritual life. However you want to phrase it, find what you find. And I'm pretty sure that you will find this uh, a really inspiring exercise. I know that I did. So um, so, so, so there you go, folks. There's your little, your little task to do over the next month or quite a big one, actually. And yeah, before I go, if you are... Um, in a position to support the podcast and support what I do, please go to patreon.com forward slash nature therapy online 
Uh, you can give small donations monthly to the podcast and you also get awesome rewards. You re and they are pretty good, even if I do say so myself. You can get tarot readings handwritten in the post related to nature. You can get access to our little nature group. It's called The Nest, where a small group of us get together and we just talk about the things that we've found in nature in the last month, the things that have inspired us. It's a really lovely little club. It's a little wee little online chat that we have each month and you're very welcome to join us uh, through Patreon. So um, if, you, if, if you're will, willing and, and in a financial position where you can support the podcast with uh, with, with some pennies each month, it would be m much appreciated. Um, and I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to say thank you so much. Remember that you can go to Nature Therapy Online forward slash podcast forward slash spirituality to leave comments on today's episode as well. Thank you so much, folks. Really appreciate you tuning in. Hugs and take care and bye-bye. Visit me online at naturetherapyonline.net.